0: Hey, y'all. This is Gary Meese with The Case Against. I'm going to be talking again about uh, Jesse Miskelly's confession, his first confession, June 3rd, 1993. Um, Had two episodes previously. This is episode 35. I also had a couple of episodes about... uh, the Nick Hillary case that I did not list by number. So if this is 35, 33, and 34 are the other two episodes on this confession by Jesse Miskelly. Briefly, Miskelly is confessing to uh, having participated with Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin. All three of these people are teenagers who were living in uh, in the West Memphis, Marion, Arkansas area. In 1993, they uh, they were, as a result of this confession, they were con- uh, arrested and ultimately convicted of killing uh, three eight-year-old boys, Michael Moore, Christopher Byers, and Stevie Branch. Uh, on May 5th, 1993 in some wooded area known as Robin Hood Hills or Robin Hood uh, in West Memphis. So they became known as the West Memphis Three. The, not the boys but the killers. Uh, conducting the interview are Chief Inspector Gary Gitchell of West Memphis Police Department and Detective Brian Ridge. Let me see where to pick up. Um, they're talking about a briefcase that uh, had been brought to the, uh, this satanic cult meeting. mean, Gary Gitch will ask Muskelly, have you seen them with a briefcase before? And... This was that was the first mention of the briefcase on tape. So it, 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 the officers have been accused, if that's the right word, of of feeding information to Ms. Skelly. and in some cases, as you if you, you it's not hard to see this in other cases. Watch enough uh, con, confessions on on YouTube. And you'll see officers bring up material facts that are, are, are mentioned for the first time by the officers. Maybe it's not the best way to do it, but in some cases it's necessary in order to get it out there. Uh, but Ms. Kelly had mentioned the briefcase to them previously in the interview that was not taped, which again is a very standard uh, police perce- police procedure for uh, conducting interviews it was true in 1993 and I would say it's general I'm, I'm sure there I'm no doubt there are exceptions but generally true in uh, 2020 uh, they talked to they talked to potential suspects or persons of interest in some ca- in this case uh, Jesse Miskelly was not a suspect or even there was no there was no idea on the part of the police they had anything to do with the crime other than the fact that he knew a prime suspect damien Eccles, and they thought perhaps they could he could give some pertinent information about Eccles. uh there were many other kids from these trailer parks and, and and not just kids but quite a few of them were teenagers um, Many other kids from these trailer parks in West Memphis, uh, not bet- between West Memphis and Marion, is where the, the trailer parks were. Uh, that we're mostly talking about, mostly Lakeshore Estates, where Jason Baldwin and uh, and uh, Damian Dominie Dominie uh who was uh, Damien Eccles girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend, they lived. They lived there. Uh, across the interstate and up a bit quite a bit closer to Marion is Highland, uh, where, which is where uh, Jesse Muskelly lives. They're not that far apart. They're not real close. They're not real far apart. You can, you know, uh, they, they can be walked in a few minutes. And you know, there, there's an underpass to go through there that makes it quite accessible between the two service roads. Uh, Anyway, so Miskelly's asked about the briefcase. Have you ever seen them with a briefcase before? Miskelly, I've seen them once that night. I've seen them with it that night. And he's talking about the night of the satanic ritual. Gitchell, okay, what is kept inside of that briefcase? They had some cocaine and a little gun. Gitchell. Is that when you first saw the pictures of the boys? Yes, out there in Lakeshore, Gitchell. And you saw the pictures in the briefcase? Yes, I think when we had that cult, Gitchell. Okay, now you have participated in this cult, right? Yes. Gitchell, how long have you been involved in it? I've been in it for about three months. Uh, Miskelly remained fairly consistent about how long he'd been in this cult in subsequent interviews. Gitchell, ah, okay, tell me some of the things that you all typically do in the woods as being in this cult. We go, we go out kill dogs and stuff and then carry girls out there. Now Miskelly volunteered these details with largely agreed with how others describe these cult meetings. Based on Miskelly's later statements, the meetings he attended were much less dramatic than des- he describes here, consisting mostly of a small group drinking around a fire near a lake shore, followed by an Eccles performing some sort of ceremony that Miskelly perceived as talking to Satan. Gitchell asked What do you all do with the girls when you're out there? We screw them and stuff. Gitchell, just everybody takes a turn. I think they must have discussed this before because I, anyway, uh, Ms. answers, everybody, and we have an orgy and stuff like that. Ridge asks, when you kill a dog, what do you do with it? We usually skin it, then make a barn fire and eat it and stuff. Ridge, okay, when you initiating somebody new, come into the cult, what is actually done to initiate that person into a cult? Well, usually, you know, kill an animal, you know, you have to know how to handle the meat and stuff after we kill it to see if he knows. If he can't handle it, then he don't get in. Ridge, okay, so he kills an animal. You mentioned earlier that he may have to eat part of that animal. What part of the animal would he eat? Uh, the meat off of his leg. If he can't eat it, then he don't get in. Now, all this information about the killing and eating the dogs, Muskelly's apparently just, based on what he says in later confessions, is pretty much making it up. Now, there, there was some evidence that some dogs were being killed possibly sacrificed in some sort of ritual at various sites around West Memphis, uh, Crittenden County which is where the, 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 the these cities are so and, there, and this sort of torture of dogs is described by some other people who were also claimed to be involved in the cult so it's not without some sort of basis but Muskelly really discounts this later in his confessions. And I don't think it goes to... You know, he's obviously not telling the truth, the total truth here. And uh, he seemed to go out of his way to make stuff up to make Damien look, in particular, look just as bad as possible. Though Damien looks pretty bad, even in a more... As he tones it down... He actually makes Damien look worse in some ways because it's it's not it's not quite so extreme but it's creepier and sounds closer to the truth Uh, details like Eccles masturbating over the uh, this dying child and uh, Eccles playing with the child's penis uh, really disgusting and uh, of course Jason Baldwin using a knife, which he was very consistent about this, Jason Bowen using a knife to attack these little boys. Um, Horrible, horrible crimes. And honestly, the later depictions, because they seem more realistic, in some ways sound worse to me than the extreme versions that he told initially, even though those sound horrible. Those, I'm not, I shouldn't, I don't mean to sound like I'm laughing about it. They sound horrible. I mean, they are horrible. Uh, but it's almost a cartoon version of what actually, compared to what he describes in some of these later uh, confessions where he describes with more detail and it's a more nuanced and subtle sort of thing. And he, it's not stuff the police are feeding him. He's coming up, he's if he's coming up with this, he's coming up with it on his own and it doesn't have the f- flavor, the sound, the feel is something he's just making up. The stuff with the dog sounds kind of made up even on the original get-go, but, you know, maybe they do stuff like this, but maybe they did stuff like this and he just is reporting it even though he didn't participate in it, but uh, you know, it really does sound kind of off the wall. Muskelly told Ridge that he and the other teens had been playing around in the water. Now, there was a creek there. There was a little creek, that little ditch really that flowed down, an irrigation ditch that flowed down into a very large irrigation ditch called 10 Mile Bayou. And uh, right uh, right where these woods were and the boys' bodies, the, boy, the dying boys were placed well, one of the boys was dead already, but t- two of the boys were dying when they were placed in this uh, brackish water, uh, water that filled this muddy ditch uh, and they drowned. They were already beaten sufficiently so that they almost certainly would have died of their wounds. And uh, Stevie, Stevie Branch uh, had a terrible face wound. I don't know if he would have bled to death from that Presumably might have if he'd been out there longer unattended. Uh, Christopher Byers did bleed to death from his horrible uh, emasculation wounds that Jason Baldwin aff- inflicted on him uh, before he was placed in the water. Uh, anyway, Miss Kelly told Ridge that he and the other teens had been playing around in the water. Then the boys showed up. He would be insistent in later confessions that he had not been in the water. Ridge asked, Damien and Jason having sex? Again, this is the first mention of them having, them being sexual with each other. Um, Ms. Kelly says, They took turns going up under the water. Ridge, Going up under the water, what were they doing up under the water? Miss Kelly they were sitting so far away, they were in the water, I would say, about five to ten seconds, then come up, and then the other would go down. Now, Moskelly said that was what he said. Now, Moskelly said nothing explicitly about Eccles and Baldwin having sex in the water. Investigators would interpret his statements as saying that Eccles and Baldwin were, were taking turns offering oral sex. Is he actually saying that? I don't know. I don't know if he knows. Anyway, Brian Ridge asked, Okay, so they were just messing around in the water. They called for these boys to come over there. Miskelly, yeah, they seen them boys and then they hollered. Damien said, hey, the little boys, come up here. Come up there. Gitchell, did they call them by name? No, they just hollered at them. They just, they slowed up. Now, here's an example of a possible suggestion. Did they call them by name? Now, there's a suggestion there that maybe uh, the the killers knew the boys by name, and Miskelly should have picked up on that if that's the case, if that's the narrative the cops are trying to feed him, and said, oh, yeah, we knew their names. But what, is, what does Miskelly say? He says, no, they just hollered at them. They showed up. In other words... Here's a, here's a suggestion, and he doesn't take the suggestion. Now, the idea is that Miskelly is too stupid to come up with it, come actually tell the truth about what went on, because, you know, he needed to have the cops to feed him a story, because he just couldn't tell the story on his own, because he's just too damn dumb to do it. Now, the truth is, is he's, he's not very smart. He's not... Quite as stupid as the uh, his de- uh, the, the his defenders make him out to be. He's not a child, and he was not functioning at a child childlike level. And, in the sen- and, and, and the when I say a child, you know, a five or six year old is what they talk about. He doesn't have the mentality of a five or six year old. He was functioning about at the level. And even this gets to be problematic as you get older. But he was functioning about at the level, based on his IQ scores, and also based on what he was doing in real life, he was functioning at the level of at least 11 or 12 year old, pr- perhaps older. In other words, somebody who's well oriented to reality and is able to uh, tell, uh, you know, give at least surface level. Uh, information that's accurate and not full of like fantasies like you'd expect from a four-year-old, but uh, not really capable of delivering high-level concepts or, or complex understandings of human relations either, for the most part. And I'm not putting down 11, 12-year-olds. I think they're usually fairly amazing at that age. Um, but they're not adults and so they don't have an adult understanding or even a teenage understanding. I think they devolve when they become teenagers. <laughs> they go backwards for a bit. Uh, m- many of them do. There's some nice teenagers. Uh, did they call them by name? No, they just hollered at them. They showed up, slowed up. Gitchell, where did the boys put their bikes? Again, mention the bikes for the first time here. Uh, Ms. Kelly, close to right where, close to right where there before you come in. And they laid them down right there. And after I left, I don't know what they'd done with the bikes. Gitchell, you didn't do anything to the bikes at all? Ms. Kelly says, No. They pressed him about the bikes, but Muskelly denied he had anything to do with them. Now, the bikes ended up, there were two bikes, three boys, uh, two bikes. Stevie Branch had a new bike his grandfather had just given him, and Michael Moore had the bicycle that he'd had for a while. I don't know how long that he was riding around, and uh, Christopher Byers, at some point was tagging came to tag along with him but initially it was mostly Michael and uh, S- Stevie out riding around on their bikes Christ- Christopher had other things going on Ridge you've been back to this place since that murder obviously he's feeding him information here but this is, he's really, he's coming, he's bringing back up information from the, the pre-interview, the pre-confession, as it were. Uh, Ms. Kelly says, yes, I went down there and sit there, and after what they did to the boys, I just sit there. Just thought what happened to them real bad, just thought, and I left and stuff and walked home. Gitchell, When did you go back there? Miskelly, two or three days after it happened and I left. I was there by myself. Ridge, didn't you go there with some more boys once? Miskelly, me, David Ridge, that particular place? No n- not to that place. Ms. Skelly and her friend had been spotted near the crime scene after the murders had occurred when I say after it wasn't immediately after it was some days after Ridge are you willing to go down there with us and us having a camcorder and show us where these things took place would you do that Uh, Miss Kelly remained silent Ridge wouldn't have any problem with that Miss Kelly not that I know of I wouldn't Ridge but you would be able to point out where these things took place Ms. Kelly says yes. Now, despite Miskelly being agreeable to visiting the crime scene and having the visit recorded with a camcorder, co- police never took him there. And if you want to criticize the police on, for this sort of failure, I concur. I think they should have done that. I think it was a mistake not to do that. And if Miskelly went there, I mean, I think it would be very convincing one way, particularly if he went there and really showed where the crimes occurred and then the blood evidence later showed oh this is where this happened i think it would be very incriminating and if he goes there and he really doesn't know what he's he's not oriented to the place he doesn't really know where he's at he doesn't know where anything occurred and he's basically just standing there like a dummy the whole time then Mm. Certainly would be less incriminating. Let's put it that way. Might not prove he didn't do it, but certainly it would throw a lot more doubt. Da- I, I would be more doubtful if he says he's going to try to cooperate with police, and then when it really comes down to it, comes comes down to the nub, he can't he can't deliver as promised. You know, I have no reason to think he would not have been able to, but. It would be nice to have the camcorder recording, and we don't have it, and the police didn't do it, and that was their failing, and it's not their only failing. Ridge, which way the boys came from and where you all were when he hollered for the boys and stuff like that? You wouldn't have a problem with that, Miss Skelly. After the murder and stuff, I would say about two or three days later after it happened, I went down there and thought about it, and I haven't been down there since. Ridge, okay, let me ask you something. Now, this is real serious, and I want you to be real truthful, and I want you to think about it before you answer it. Don't just say yes or no real quick. I want you to think about it. Did you actually hit any of these boys? Miss Kelly answered, no. In later confessions he described how he attacked Michael while the other two beat, killed, molested, and mutilated Chris and Stevie. While Michael was not mutilated like the other boys, he was beaten with greater force than Chris or Stevie in indicating Muskelly's culpability in the murders. It's primarily focused on what he did to Michael Moore. Okay, get back to Gitchell and Miskelly and Ridge. Gitchell, now tell us the truth. Miskelly, no. Ridge, did you actually rape any of these boys? No. Ridge, did you actually kill any of these boys? No. Ridge, did you actually did you see any of the boys actually killed? Yes. Ridge, okay, which one did you see killed? Miskelly, that one right there. Gitchell, now you're pointing to the Byers boy again. Yes. So far, this was consistent with the facts. Byers was heavily beaten and castrated. He was dead before being placed in the water. Ridge, how was he actually killed? He choked him real bad and all. Now, medical examiners found little evidence of choking, asked about this in later confessions. He described a chokehold that was used as kind of a headlock. And But the main point is is that Chris Byers was not choked to death. So, it, I'm not sure uh, Miskelly is that on target with his answer here. But he does sound that way. He choked him real bad and all. How was he actually killed? He choked him real bad and all. It sounds like Miskelly is saying that he was choked to death, and he was not. A valid criticism of the confessions up to that point. Uh, Red, choking him. Okay, what was he choking with? His hand's like a stick. He had a big old stick kind of holding it over his head. Uh, Miskelly would later allude to Eccles's big old stick being used in the beatings, but not for choking. Uh, Eccles had a large walking stick marked with wizardly symbols after the medical examiner determined that two of the boys were all but beaten to death and that stick-like objects had been used for some of that beating. Uh, Ridge retrieved several large sticks as potential murder weapons from the scene and again they've come under some criticism for waiting that long to come up with uh, to go back and gather these murder weapons. Somewhat valid, though at the time the police simply didn't know, Ridge simply didn't know that the boys had been beaten to death, and some of those wounds were almost certainly certainly, um, the result of a, an attack using uh, a, a stick or a stick-like object. Ridge, okay, so he was choking him to the point where he actually went unconscious. So at that point, you felt like he was dead? Miskelly, yeah. And again, Christopher died from blood loss, not choking, and the other two boys died from drowning. Ridge, okay, did any of the other two boys, were you there when they were actually killed? Miskelly, I don't know. Ridge, you say that you got sick, so that's what you were saying? Did you throw up or anything? Ms. Kelly says, yes. (coughs) But in later confessions, he said he got sick, but he didn't throw up. Oh, Ridge, where did you throw up at? Ms. Kelly, I got a little ways out of there and got a half mile up the road is when I threw up and couldn't hardly run, and I just threw up. Aside from the question of whether he vomited, which he later denied, uh, Miscelli's larger narrative throughout the confessions described leaving quickly, becoming ill, and going straight home. Uh, Miscelli later described how he was very drunk at the time of these attacks and was somewhat frantic to leave. Gitchell did you have some blood on your clothes, Miss Skelly? I didn't have no blood. I didn't get close to them. Gitchell, you, were your clothes wet still? Yes, they were damp. And Miss Skelly's probably lying. I mean, he's lying here. He he did get close to the boys. He he uh, tackled he. Captured Michael Moore, brought him back, beat him mercilessly. Ridge, all right, Inspector Gishel touched on a point real close. Now, what were clothes were Jason wearing that day, that night? Ms. Kelly, he was wearing some blue jeans and boots, Army boots-like. Baldwin's uh, Army-type lace-up boots were picked up as evidence at Eccles' home in the arrest. So, Ms. Kelly did know Baldwin, and he knew how he usually dressed. And apparently, he almost always wore these blue—almost always wore blue jeans—and almost always wore these army boots. So, him describing that for that particular day doesn't prove a whole lot, but it is accurate. Uh. Ridge army boots and uh, what kind of a shirt you know everybody wears a special shirt with different things Miss he was wearing a Megadeth shirt or maybe Metallica now here comes the that's the Metallica t-shirt that we've heard so much about and Miss did know Baldwin well enough to know that he would be wearing a band t-shirt with either Megadeth or Metallica and I'm saying this because some supporters make these claims that, oh they just barely knew each other well Miskelly knew Baldwin well enough to know what bands he liked what t-shirts he routinely wore And basically what he would wear on almost any given day. And they weren't going to school with each other because uh, Baldwin was still going to school, but Miskelly and Eccles had dropped out, so it's not as if they were having that kind of daily association. Uh, Bridge asked, "All All right, Damien, what was Damien wearing? Uh, Damien had some black pants on, some boots, and a black T-shirt. And again, this is pretty much what Damien always wore, but, you know, again, Miskelly knew that, what Eccles' typical attire was. Uh, Investigators saw muddy tennis shoes and black boots caked in mud at the Eccles' home the day after the bodies were found but the items were not taken into evidence at that time. Another, again, another failing of the investigators. Uh, Eccles has since admitted that the tennis shoes were muddy but has claimed the boots were clean. Uh, Ridge, uh, these blue jeans that Jason was wearing, designer jeans, or were they old jeans worn out holes? Muskelly, they were wore out. They had holes in them and the knees were cut. Ridge, holes in the knees. So Muskelly accurately described Baldwin's everyday attire of a black concert t-shirt featuring a favorite band, worn out jeans, and high lace-up shoes. Boots. Uh, Ridge asked about Baldwin's hair color and they established that he had sandy blonde hair. Ridge, okay, wearing blue jeans, he had on a Metallica shirt. Now, this is a shirt that's got Metallica across the front of it spelled out and a man's name or picture, is that right? You tell me. They had a picture. Ridge, a picture of somebody. Different shirts, different types of shirts have different pictures. Ridge, which one did he have? He had that, uh, like a skull-like. Ridge. Ridge. A skull yeah now the a skull or a skeletal figure was a popular motif for Metallica gear at that time so Miskelly who apparently wasn't a fan of Miss there's no evidence he was a fan of Metallica or Megadeth though he almost certainly was aware of them um uh, he but he was able to describe what Jason's t-shirt would have on it, which was a skull. Ridge, okay, what were you wearing that day? <coughs> I was just wearing regular blue jeans, my shoes. Ridge, what kind of shoes were you wearing? My uh adidas. Now these adidas. We later find out that he gave to uh, his friend uh, Buddy Lucas because they had blood on them and he didn't want to be implicated in it. Uh, It was verified that indeed those Adidas were in Buddy Lucas' possession, but by the time the police were able to confiscate them, they weren't able to Get any useful uh, blood evidence off the shoes. Uh, Muscilli later described how he had confessed to Lucas, uh, or, or Lucas described Muscilli confessing to him. I, I'm wrong about I'm getting this backwards. Lucas confessed how what described how. Masquelie confessed to him with tears in his eyes describing going over and beating up boys and beating up boys real bad in in West Memphis and gave him the shoes. And this was the day after the killing before the bodies had been found. Okay, Ridge, what kind of shirt were you wearing? I was just wearing a regular old greasy up t-shirt. Ridge, okay, was it a design shirt, like this bull-type shirt, or was it just a plain white, old, plain white, Ridge, old T-shirt? Where are these shoes at now? A friend of mine, he borrowed them, Buddy Lucas, he borrowed them from me. As I've already explained, Lucas later told police that Miss Kelly gave him a pair of athletic shoes the morning after the killings. So, in this initial interview, he tells police that he gave these shoes to Buddy Lucas. The police did not tell Jesse Miskelly that, oh, you gave the shoes you were wearing that day to Buddy Lucas. So we want you to throw that into your confession. No. The information came from jesse miscelli that he gave the shoes to buddy lucas the day after the killing though he said in this case he says he borrowed them from me um ridge the boots that damien had on are they army type boots too or what kind of boots were they close like army type not quite ridge okay they are black is that right they lace up yes ridge okay and jason's black and lace-up jason's were black up to about knee ridge oh they come up what they come way up on him yes ridge okay damien didn't come up that far damien's didn't come up that far no yeah he's feeding him a little information about how far damien's boots come up for whatever that's worth ridge okay they killed the boys you decided to to go, you went home. How long after you got home before you received the phone call? Thirty minutes or an hour? Miss Kelly paused and said, "About an hour." Miss Kelly had claimed that the killings occurred shortly after either nine a.m. or around noon, and that the call came at nine p.m., which is a lot closer to where the, when the phone call would have been received if he. Uh, based on when the killings actually occurred Ridge, an hour after you got home so they were there for a lot longer yes Ridge, when he called you on the phone did he say that he had just got in? Kelly? when he first called me he said how come you left? and said I couldn't stand it I had to do something and then Damien I heard Damien in the background saying we done it, we done it what we going do if somebody saw us Uh, Muskelly said no one saw him leaving. Ridge, okay, has Damien and Jason and Damien talked to you since this happened? No. Now, stop here for a second. There's evidence that they were all together at the skating rink two days after the killings. Uh, There's videotape showing that they were all there. And there are some statements from various witnesses that they had that there were some interaction that they either came in together or there were some interactions with uh, Damian, Jesse, and uh, Jason. So, the idea that uh, that there's also some other information we're going to get into very shortly where he says he hasn't talked to to Damien, and then he describes setting up Damien with Victoria Hutchinson, so. Uh, About the phone call, the 9 p.m. phone call, it's problematic in the sense that uh, Damien was spotted still lurking around the scene around 9.30 that night. Uh, There's no evidence that Damien or Jason got home until around nine, nine to nine thirty that 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 evening. Uh, there's some evidence to suggest that they, well, there's some. I mean, there's some there's some bad alibi evidence from Eccles, the Eccles, uh, Eccles Hutchison family, that he was there. Uh, in Jason's case, there's no evidence based on the statement of his mother's boy, live-in boyfriend, Dink Dent, that he got home before 9 or 9.30 that evening. The question is, is you know, did they place a phone call? Uh, they weren't together based on anybody's statements at that point. Uh, some speculation they might have been together in the Hollingsworth sightings, which is not what Hollingsworth, not what any of the Hollingsworths has ever said, so it's pure speculation. Uh, Eccles did have witnesses saying he talked. to He did have Jennifer Beard and saying he talked to her around nine twenty that evening. Dominique Tier said she talked to him around ten, and there's some backup verification for those two conversations. Um, so they seem more likely, and uh, Jason's mother said she talked to him from her job when he was at home around 9 nine or 9.30 that evening, so there's some validation there. Obviously, all these people could not be telling the truth, uh, but those seem more credible than than not. The, the other problem with Ms. Skelly taking a phone call at 9, 9 p.m. that night is part of his alibi concerned a wrestling trip to a, God, boy, I, you know, I just, I just dropped the name. I, the, the name of the little town just dropped out of my, my head. And I know it very well, but anyway, they were going to go wrestling at this movie theater in this town about 40 miles away. And, uh, that didn't occur. That, that is supposedly happened the witnesses came, and then the witnesses at, at the trial were, dis- and I get into this elsewhere, but they were discredited at trial, and it made it made it at least appear like the wedding, the wrestling trip never occurred, which means if the wrestling trip never occurred, maybe he was at home at nine where he could have taken a phone call, but even then, there's the whole question of Damien and Jason calling him, is just problematic. Nobody's saying that that none of, none of the people who are, uh, the alibi witnesses or the non-alibi witness in Dink Dent describes Jason Jason making a phone call to anybody or Damien being over there. So it's all very problematic. Okay, has Damien... Ridge asked, okay, has Jason and Damien talked to you since this happened? No, Ridge, they haven't talked to you about this? They hadn't said nothing to nothing around me when I was over to my friend's house. They didn't say nothing. We don't know what friend this is at this point, I don't think. Ridge, when you've been by yourself, and I'm sure in the last three weeks you've been by yourself with him sometime. Miskelly. You know Damien keeps asking me how come I left and stuff and hadn't anybody said anything to me about it. You know, He just got through saying he hadn't talked to them, and he, then he turns around and says, Damien keeps asking him stuff. Uh, Eccles, Muskelly, and Baldwin were all at the same skating rink on May 7th, as I've already mentioned. Uh, Miskelly introduced Eccles to Vicky Hutchison shortly after the killings. Not only were they staying in touch, Eccles and Baldwin allegedly were pressuring Miskelly to join in plans for more killings. Ridge, okay, what did he say to you about it when you came back to the police department after seeing that boy in the woods up there behind the Goodyear place? What did he say about that? This is a little confusing, but this is a reference to a May 15th police call that Muskelly and some friends made concerning uh, Tracy Laxton, who was camping out in the woods off Missouri Street. Uh, Muskelly and his two friends called the police And the police eventually got in touch with them. The police talked to Tracy Laxton, who was apparently offered to drink some beer with him or something. And uh, Laxton had some sort of alibi for the time of the killings. Uh, He was in Mississippi at the time and actually didn't know anything about the killings. Okay, Uh, so Ridge is asking, what did Damien say to him about this particular incident? Miss Kelly's response is, he didn't know anything about that, Ridge. Okay, what about when you get with Jason by himself? (coughs) He keeps on asking me, what are we going to do next? I told him I can't do nothing now because I go to work every day. I go to work with my daddy every day. Ball, when urging on Miskelly, accords with comments attributed Eccles that he had more killings planned. Ridge. So they are scared, is that right? Miskelly. They are scared because after what they did, I told him that I was going to work with my daddy. I got to do something. Ridge. So what did you think they ought to be done to them for killing these boys? Miskelly. They need to be put away for a while. Ridge. Uh, put away for a while do you think they are sick or just mean i think they are sick ridge they are sick okay is there anything else you want to add to this statement no ridge why did you not come forward with this information (laughs) this they're still sort of positioning and though they 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 know he's he's implicated in the crime but they're still sort of positioning him, the way they're framing all this is you're a valuable, you know, witnesses come forward, you know, doing your civic duty and dropping a dime on a couple of criminal, uh, bad, bad killers. Uh, Why did you not come forward with this information? Because I was scared. Ridge, scared of Damien, or scared of Damien or scared of the police? Scared of the police. Ridge, are you scared of Damien now? No. Ridge, are you scared of the police now? No. Ridge, you are not, so we've treated you well. Kelly said yes. If Kelly was intimidated or felt threatened by the police, it was not on the record. The interview concluded the detectives were initially exultant. But the discrepancies on times and other details did not sit easily. And I'm gonna stop it there. We got many more Jesse confessions to go. And you know, maybe you maybe it bore maybe it'll be boring to going over these details again and again, but I think the point needs to be made that Miskelly told the same basic story over and over and over again under different circumstances uh, he, there's no evidence and and you can see the videotape on YouTube there's no evidence he gives no evidence of being uh, coerced or particularly intimidated he's very relu- he is reluctant to tell this story, as I think it's understandable that that would be the case. In his later confessions, he's, he um, he confesses to his lawyer with a, a bot bi- with his hand on a Bible. And I'm not suggesting that Ms. is a particularly religious person, but I do think that he is of a, of a type who would take putting his hand on a Bible. He would take that very seriously, indeed. Uh, he also confessed to the prosecutors uh, over the objections of his attorneys. He confessed to the prosecutors again after that. He confessed to the troopers who were transporting to prison after he'd been sentenced that day. Those are the major confessions. There are some other minor, confe- lesser confessions. Uh, There's the Buddy Lucas Confession, and there are are notes on Ms. Skelly's meetings with his attorney in the summer of 1993, in which he gave, there's no indication that he's, is anything but trying to come up with some sort of defense for his participation in the killings. There's no, no, nothing about coercion in the confession until around September or so, when, um, His attorney, and again I'm drawing a blank. I must, either I'm getting tired, or I'm getting really old, or maybe both. Uh, his attorney, Dan, duh, 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 can't think of his name, but I can picture him in my mind perfectly. Um, when his attorney came up, um, came up with the idea that a uh, false claiming of coerced false confession might be his way out of, out of uh, what looked like a sure sure-fire case for conviction. So, that's enough from me today. I'll be back again, hopefully in a week or so, maybe sooner, maybe two weeks. A lot of it depends on all sorts of things on my end. Uh, I'm a little anxious to get to push on and speed up, and I, I've said this for several months now, and I haven't been doing it. But I really do think that uh, the time has come for me to go ahead and push ahead with this podcast and get get the case completed and done. Uh, I have several reasons for saying that. One is, is there's just simply no I'm not I don't have any new information at this point that's really highly relevant. So uh, there's a, you know, f- few things going on as far as you know c- updates in Jason and uh, Jason Baldwin's and Damien Echols' world. It occasionally is worth maybe some sort of comment, but it's certainly not real news. It has no real bearing on the criminal case, uh, except to confirm their essential lack of character and their sense of their, their utter lack of any kind of conscience. And the fact that they're both involved in just simply living off being professional victims and living off the kindness of strangers naive gullible strangers who saw a documentary and decided that these two boys couldn't have done it because they were wearing black t-shirts and listening to metallica and no one has ever killed anybody a ritual murder just couldn't happen it's not possible so there you go anyway that's enough from me thank you